0: Tools for Living, Room to Grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 97. When God called me to write books so many years ago, the only qualification I had was that I loved to read and I still do. There's nothing like a good book just to provide a little bit of escape from the daily ho-hum or to inspire my heart to draw closer to God. And in today's episode, I have the privilege of speaking to Misu Andrews, a fellow pastor's wife and Christian author who has a passion for making Bible come alive through her fiction. But as we discussed, her storytelling is for one purpose and one purpose alone, to help people fall in love with the most important book of all, the Bible. Me, Sue Andrews, it is so great to have you in the living room. I have admired your books, appreciated just your heart for Jesus and bringing the Bible
1: alive. And now we get to have you on the podcast. Welcome, welcome. Oh, I'm so excited to be in your living room. Thank you for inviting <laughs> me.
0: It really is an honor. I you know, biblical fiction, which how many books do you have
1: now? I'm working on number 13. Wow. Yes, wow. it's so fun. Oh, it is it you know, it's my it's my research habit. It, it it's the excuse I have for my research, my biblical research habit.
0: That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. You know, it's kind of close to my heart. Because actually my book, Having a Merry Heart and a Martha World, it started out as an idea for a biblical novel. Oh, fun. Yes, yes. And I spent, I, I think I probably spent 90 hours in in research, just like you're saying, mm-hmm. like getting mm-hmm. into it. And But it was so funny because as I began to explore the story, two things happened. First of all, I realized, oh, I think this is more than a novel because there were so many lessons. And then the second oh, yeah. thing... I discovered that my premise didn't really work.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Been there. Has yeah. that ever happened to you? It happens at least once on every book and I, I panic and tell my husband, Oh, I have to give the I have to give the advance back because I can't write this book and that's when he gets really panicked and then he gets involved and says, Okay, let's make some sort of spreadsheet and we'll figure it out. We'll make it work <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, the Lord is good. He, he figures out a way and, and we make it work somehow. Yeah.
0: I love that. I love that. You know, you, you kind of, as I was reading over some of the notes for our discussion, you talk about different kinds of biblical fiction. And I think it's important because, you know, there are the purists out there. Oh, that, yes. That just, you know, it's like they want Bible only, Bible only. And I understand that. Absolutely. And I do think we have a responsibility to rightly handle the word of God. Oh, and my. Yet yes. there's something beautiful about also being able to kind of make it alive. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to have you kind of unpack that a little bit. And then I think it's important, even as readers of biblical fiction, that we understand that there are different things that we we're not treating it like the gospel. You know, there are some, there are oh, some, yes. some Christians who um, kind of have the gospel according to veggie tales. Right? Yes, yes,
1: <laughs> and, absolutely. This is and, fiction.
0: Yes. Yeah. So talk to us. How do we how do we rightly divide the word of truth and when when it is just that imaginative thing to make it come alive?
1: Yeah, it you know, it is a fine line and it's tough sometimes. Um but I I like to say I I do it with a three-layered approach. So, um before I write ever ever any story, um I try to get really really grounded in the scripture. And that is the foundation. That is the capital T truth and so anything if you ever find anything in my bo- in my books that is is that that you feel contradicts scripture that is that is not intentional so that that is not in there um, no 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 so truth is scripture it is unchangeable unalterable uh, that is the foundation of every story and then I do the research. And that comes as historical fact. And fact is debatable. (laughs) As you found out, probably find out regularly in all of your research, you know, academics and scholars, they like to argue about things. And they find all sorts of different things when they do this very ancient research. And so they I have to read really widely and listen to lots of very contradicting opinions and somehow find a golden thread in there that makes sense with what I read in Scripture as the truth of that story. Yeah. And sometimes I have to take the whole Council of Scripture, Old and New Testament. What I feel like God is saying as a whole, and take that into account with that golden thread of what all the scholars and academics are saying, and sometimes even the dates contradict each other. So I have to kind of, okay, let's say it's about this date, or let's say it's Mm -hmm. about this era of time, especially when I'm doing Egypt, because Oh, these Egyptologists—they find one thing and it tells them this, and they find another date and it tells them this, and so you know we just kind of throw a dart at it. No, but it it's approximately the right dynasty, you know. So, and then we take, so we build onto this foundation with the building blocks of fact, quote fact mm-hmm. that we find with that golden thread, and then we fill in with fiction to try to hold that all together to make this house that feels real. Right. So when we read biblical fiction based on the Bible's truth, we have to be willing to give up some of our Sunday school images. Yeah. And then really look at the Bible then, put put away the fiction. Yeah. And open our Bibles. Yeah. And read God's word for the truth. That's my whole that's my whole goal in writing fiction is because I want to stir the curiosity mm. and send people to their bible. I don't I don't want them to end on my book, my book. Right. That's just for curiosity's sake. I want you to end on your bible. I want you to stay there. I want you to dig in deep. That's what I want.
0: I love that. I love that. You know, it keeps coming to mind just the importance of kind of having a sanctified imagination.
1: Oh, yes. Where,
0: and a sanctified curiosity to where we're willing to kind of have our um, preconceived ideas challenged, especially only, I I, I think, only by God's truth, you know, where we're, you know, where all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, is that in the Bible? And like you say, we go to the Word and we go, oh. Yes. And, oh and it I is. Think I think for me biblical fiction has helped me um approach the word w- with more of that imagination like to be able yeah. to put myself in that spot think of all of the the feelings you know it's so easy to make judgments against some of the bible characters because right. we don't really let ourselves live in their situation and and mm-hmm. go okay yeah. So those Israelites, those is—they're just so complaining. But wait a minute, it's hot and it's dry, and you've left everything you know—you know all those things—not to excuse their unbelief or their struggle, but also go, okay, wait a minute. In my Mm -hmm. own struggle with unbelief, I see what's true around me, but what remains true of God, and that's what's so powerful about biblical fiction.
1: The thing that—the thing that I love is—and for my own study is that it slows me down. Yes. It slows me down. I can read two or three verses in Genesis and it just, it bowls me over. I'm like, oh, I never saw that before. Yes. Because because they are real people. I write biblical fiction about real people. Right. They're no longer, they're not fiction. They're not imaginary characters. You know, uh, it's hard for me to say they're biblical characters anymore.
0: They're biblical, they're biblical people.
1: People. Yeah. These are historical people. They lived and breathed. Adam and Eve are no longer just people on a page in a storybook. They lived and breathed. Are
0: you kind of like me? Like, I'm like, okay, when I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus big time.
1: But of course, I
0: can't wait to meet Mary and Martha. (laughs) I
1: know. Yes. Yes. These people. And I'm like, oh, I was really hard on Solomon in my in my second book. I mean, I was really hard on it. My editor, I was I was so hard on him in my first draft. And it was about the time I was writing it about the time that Charlie Sheen was going through his really wild years and several years. But anyway, and so. She, every time I'd be really overly harsh with Solomon, it, she'd write in the margin, Charlie Sheen. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes, I shouldn't have said that. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry, Lord. He he was your beloved. You called him, you know, yes. oh, he was Jedediah to you. He was beloved of yeah. the Lord. I have to remind that when I'm talking about Solomon. And so what I think is, oh, all these people that I've been really hard on in my biblical fiction. Ooh, I wonder if they're going to be in heaven and fuss at me that I was so hard on them.
0: I love it. Well, you know, what's been fun for me, because um, especially having approached Mary and Martha first through through the fictional lens and even allowing myself in nonfiction to use fictional technique and uh, what you said about like things explode. You know, I I've lived in four little verses of Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42, and then some in John 11 and 12. And I still, like, there's still principles from the story of this
1: family from Bethany
0: that continue to blow my mind. What's some of the stories that have stuck with you?
1: Oh, the Song of Solomon came to me in a story, Mm. which is crazy because I read it. I read every, every word of the Song of Solomon, all eight chapters, every day for a year because I couldn't understand a word of it and if if you look on my website you'll you'll know why I needed to do, do that it's a compulsion because my mom was charismatic my dad was a quaker oh my goodness I'm a spiritual mutt and and I so my growing up years scripture was used as a weapon mm. and so I went totally away from the lord I was an alcoholic by the time I was 16 I I wanted nothing to do with the bible scripture god any of it because it was just, it was, it was war to me. And, and so anything I can't understand in scripture, it just, I got to know, I got to understand. And when you do, when you look at commentaries on the Song of Solomon, oh, please, no, nobody agrees on anything. I mean, even if you look at different versions of the Bible, NIV and ESV and, and NLT and all of those alphabet soups, they all have something different for Song of Solomon because they ha- one of them will have the woman saying something, and then the next mm-hmm. version has the man saying it. And it's not that the original language is different. No, that's God breathed, right. not changing. Right. And it, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, Word of God, but the way men interpret it may be different, mm-hmm. and so. God told me, I'll tell you what I want you to learn from this. Mm. And he he taught me in a story, this beautiful, beautiful love story. And it came with him as the shepherd girl, Mm. not him as the king. And Solomon had the adulterous heart. Mm-hmm. And the shepherd girl came after his heart and wanted to be his only love. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you what, it totally changed my relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I had been, a, I was a pastor's wife. I had been a Christian for years, but that year was so formative, not only in my writing, but in my relationship with who Jesus was. I felt, I fell in love. I was so enamored Mm -hmm. with Jesus. I was, I, I had a crush on him. I mean, I was just crushing on my savior. It was just the funnest, most wonderful year. Um, and, and has been every time I think about the love of God, it is, it is the most powerful. Emotion, um, it it is my strength um, because it does bring joy in in whatever happens. It's so that I think was the most formative um, scripture, that uh, most formative study, the most formative anything. Um, second would have been probably the first book I published actually. And that was um, Love Amid the Ashes, which was Job's story. Mm. And that was because of the, I had, I had come through the chronic illness. We'd find, we'd found out a lot of what was going on with me. So the, the fear and the, oh, getting the medications right. And that kind of thing was kind of behind me. And then to write this book and to write Job's story, I had to kind of go through it again and the emotion of it. And I had a couple of critique partners at the time that wouldn't just let me say, Oh, and Job felt this. And he said this and he thought, Oh no, 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 no. They said, Oh no. How, how did he really feel? You have to, you know, they wanted me to cut my wrist and just bleed onto the, keyboard and, yeah. the, and, and it was quite the emotional journey. And, um and I think, I think that shows in, in yeah. the book. So, yeah. I think that's the thing that is so
0: revolutionary. If we can get honest with God, you know, right. we, we like to tie it all up with a bow. We like to mm-hmm. make blanket statements, but And I've been thinking about this a lot because especially in Western, Western Christianity, we really want it tidy. You know, we got a problem and we want God just to answer it. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, just answer it because my peace and my joy and my fulfillment is if I don't have to go through this issue. And so we keep believing God for an outcome Rather than understanding it's in the middle of the suffering and the journey that we find him. Uh, you yeah. know, the one one quote that has just stuck with me, and I haven't been able to attribute it. I always want to give proper attribution, but it's just simply this, Christianity isn't the absence of problems. It's the promise of God's presence. And you know, I think we miss it so much when we think, God, you, you can only be God. If you do what I want you to do. And Job found out, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and no. you on your journey have found that it doesn't necessarily happen that way. That chronic living with chronic pain. Um how has God met you in your journey and revealed himself in the middle of it rather than in the solution of it?
1: You know, um, I think one of the most revolutionary things, um, Job asked why 14 times,
0: Yeah,
1: 14 times. Yeah. And, um, and that was the wrong question. Now it wasn't wrong for him to ask it. I mean, David asked why, you know, lots of folks ask why and, and God's got big shoulders. He's, he's good with that. We can, we can blame, we can. In fact, I, I think he would much rather us be honest and, and tell him how we feel. I think that's why David's Psalms are in there. I think that's why Job is in there. Because God says, bring it on. Tell me. Talk to me. Do it. Yell at me if you need to. Go right ahead. Come on. But Job was asking the wrong question. It, when God showed up, he told Job who? Yeah. He didn't say why. He said who? Yeah. This is who I am. And once Job found out who he was, it didn't it didn't matter why. Yeah. Now we know why. We got, you know, we got the behind the curtain scene, you know, with the whole heavens and all that was going on with the accuser and all of that. So we know why. Job never did know why. Right. He knew who. And because he knew who, it didn't matter why. Because Job could move forward and enjoy the blessing even before he got double everything. Right. He was at peace before the doubles came. Yeah. Because he knew who. Right. And I think, I think that's where I had to, to come to. Um, I had to realize who more than why. Yeah. Um, at the the period of time in between where we weren't sure what was going on, I so just as a quick recap, so I I started out with a a little virus that I had a fever for six six days, over 102, didn't know what was going on. Just never really felt better after that. Um, took about two years to be diagnosed with fibromyalgia. This was in the late 90s. Nobody knew what that was back then. Um, and so, and then got better, uh, found a medication that kind of helped that and exercise, diet, all of that. Um, thought we were doing good speaking, doing quite a bit, little girls, junior high ish age. And then all of a sudden, in two thousand two, ended up in bed for six months. No idea why. Um, had had some migraines that were kind of odd. Had some numbness um, in my body, and and didn't know what was going on there. And um, so finally, in two thousand, I think it was. Things are getting foggy now, but two thousand five, I think two thousand. I don't know, it doesn't matter, but Mayo Clinic diagnosed POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome and chronic migraines. So since 2005, I have dealt with a couple of chronic illnesses and then daily migraines mm-hmm. since 2005. And so, you know, we've found some medications that help so that I'm, you know, at least functional. I don't do a lot of speaking anymore. I, I have learned that I now teach through writing and I do biblical fiction in my teaching. So I do edutainment, that's what we call (laughs) it, it. edutainment. And that I don't, I didn't coin that phrase either. And I wish I knew who to uh, attribute on that too, but, um, uh, but had I continued speaking and not writing. I wouldn't have reached nearly the amount of people that I can with books. See, and that's the thing. We can
0: trust God with our journey. I mean, I wonder, you look at Paul's life. He's having like this incredible ministry. And then Uh he is, he shut down in prison. But would we have any of the New Testament, half the New Testament, had he not been what looked like an injustice? What looked like a mistake. And I think I really wonder how many times we miss the potential in the problem, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we're, we're kind of railing against God or even railing against Satan. And that has been fascinating to me as I've studied Paul's life. There's only one time that I can find where he rebuked Satan instead he said the the holy we thought we were going to do this but the holy spirit kept us from going there and can i can i receive the limitations god puts on my life as a gift and not a punishment uh-huh
1: uh-huh and and i think that is here's here was the defining the defining moment i feel like um with the, the the chronic illness. Now, first, uh, at, at first, there has to be the grieving. At first, there has to be, oh, this is the rest of my life. Are right. you kidding me? You know, first, there has to be that. Okay, I've lost something, mm. and and there has to be working through that. I I I don't want to take that away. There has to be that. I agree. But there also then has to be, okay, Lord what do I know about who you are, yeah. who you are? Number one, you are sovereign. Yeah, You know way more than I do. You know everything. You are all powerful. If you wanted to, you could fix this. Yeah. Do you know, do you care? Yeah. And are you all powerful? Yes, yes, and yes. Yes. Even when it doesn't make sense. And, and 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 then here's the here's the clincher. Is he good? Yes. Amen. And that's
0: the thing. I that's what I came to in my book was the four unshakable truths. God is good. He loves me. I belong to him. And he takes care of his own. But I don't get to say what that looks like. And if I can be at peace with that then we can, and I know this, I I agree, we we cannot minimize the pain that we're going through. I just went through a real bluesy time myself because my life doesn't necessarily look the way I thought it was going to look. And God has chosen to keep me smaller sometimes than I would, my flesh would like to be. But, you know, I want to go back to the story of Job because, you know, as I was writing my book about trusting God, of course, that's the big question, you know, that's and and you guys, you just need to probably go read um, Misu's book on that because I was like, I I felt like the Lord said, no, don't don't get caught in the weeds. It's that's a whole nother book in itself. And I'm I don't have the answers for that. Yeah, but here's what was revolutionary for me and where I kind of included Job was, You know, these incredible statements in the middle of his suffering, yet he slay me, I'm going to trust him. And what was interesting in my research, and you maybe, maybe I'm wrong in it, but it was really powerful for me. Scholars put Job's story like between Genesis 11 and 12 in the timeline of history. And here you've got Adam and Eve who are surrounded with God's blessings, and yet they distrust him. They, They vilify him believing the lies of the enemy, that God is not good. And then you've got Job's story surrounded by torment, everything, all the blessings removed. And yet he makes that statement, even though he's slay me, I will trust him. And I think it comes to that in our situations, in our hardships, will we vilify God or will we vindicate him Mm -hmm. like Job did? Yeah. And, oh, I, I, I want to vindicate him. And I love how the Lord is... Has helped you see his presence in the middle of your suffering. I mean, mm-hmm. Paul, this is another thing that blows my mind. God sends a messenger, Anasai, Ananias, to, to Paul and says, Tell him that I will show him how much he has to suffer for my sake. I know,
1: right? Oh, and he's just been blinded. None of us claim that as our life verse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord, thanks.
0: Yeah. But will we will we receive that as our portion and be faithful there and even flourish there? See, that's the thing that we miss. We can flourish in the land of our captivity, in the land
1: of our suffering. Mm-hmm. And I love how I can see that in your life. And the whole thing with Isaiah, his calling in Isaiah oh. 6 touches him with the call and says, Oh, I'm gonna send you out to Israel, by the way. And by the way, you're going to totally fail. Nobody's going to listen to yeah. you, but I'm going to send you anyway. And you're going to do it your whole life. And and nobody's going to listen to a word you say, but I'm still going to send you. Because Isaiah says, I'm a man among people of unclean lips and mine are unclean, too. And, and God says, here, let me clean yours up. But man, they're unclean, too. So it's it's not going to work, but I still want you to go. and And it is we, we live in a broken world. We live in a sin sick world. We are ambassadors. Second Corinthians five. We are ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? That's somebody that gets to go to a foreign country and tell that foreign country all about how wonderful their home country is. Mm. That's what we are. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm not a citizen of here. That's it. That's it. And so I live in a sin sick world. I'm broken. I'm broken. And, but I get to tell people how wonderful my home country is. That's it. And then I get to go home. Eventually I get to go home because I'm just an ambassador here. I'm not a citizen of here. Right, This is just temporary. I'm an eternal being. I'm living in eternity right now. I'm just, you know, hanging out here as an ambassador for a period of time. And then I'm going to go home. But my eternity has already begun because I, I'm Jesus's kid. Yeah. And, and so I'm just here for a while and this sickness and this chronic illness thing, my, my loving Abba, Mm. he, he's not going to let me be in this forever. I, I don't have to suffer this forever. This is only for a period of time and it's for his good purpose. He told me that, that all things work together for my good, actually. And because I'm, I'm called according to his purpose. So whatever it is, because I know he's good. I know he cares. I know he loves me. and, And it's for, it's for a short time in the scope of eternity.
0: I love that. And he wants to redeem that
1: he well
0: he wants to redeem he he takes the worthless things and he makes them precious he he takes the foolish things of this world and he makes them wise and so i think i think if we could understand that a little bit better and realize that sometimes i think it's in the middle of our suffering that we become even uh, more accurate reflections of his goodness Oh, yes. right? because we're saying, yes, yes. Hey, listen, this broken world, you don't have to stay here. You, mm-hmm. you can have the same eternity, that same beautiful God can redeem all of your brokenness. And I'd love it that he does it here, but, but yes, it's all about going there. And so I love that idea of being his ambassadors. I, I wrote, I have a, I have a chapter in the book about Upside Down Kingdom and that this is just mm-hmm. a layover. You know, we're yes. just in Salt Lake. That's <laughs> we're right. in Minneapolis, we're just in Denver, a Atlanta, yes. we, but yeah. we've got an eternity ahead. And uh, yeah. I just yeah. love, um, you know, I'd love to have you maybe just share some of the ways that you were able to just tap into that. Because you write about it on your blog, that that revelation of his love really mm. changed everything. And I think there is there is a chronic love doubt, just like chronic mm. sickness, a chronic love mm-hmm. doubt mm-hmm. among Christians where we know it in our head. We know it for everybody else. But mm-hmm. we can't really convince ourselves. And so when hard times come, we think that there's something wrong with us or there's oh, something yeah. wrong with God.
1: Mm-hmm. How,
0: how can we tap into that love? I know it's going to be a different journey for everyone, but where's a good place to start? you
1: know i i find myself drifting into um words mm. religion yeah when i don't journal uh-huh. honestly um and that's my way to connect maybe that won't work for for our listeners for your listeners but for me and, and the way I journal, I uh, I journal, uh, as if I'm having a conversation. So I journal you Lord. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't understand this passage today, Lord, uh, or this passage says to me, Lord, that you are whatever. Um, and, and because I, I tend to sneeze about 13,000 words at a time. So I, I mean, I really have to limit my journaling or I could go on for like all day and not get anything else done if I, you know, right. so I have started, um, I love these little, uh, they're called ESV illuminated Bible journal and you can get them like one book of the Bible at a time. They're ah. just these wonderful little things. And they've got scripture on one side of the page and then a blank page on the other. They're just awesome. And then, so I only let myself read half of the scripture Mm -hmm. page. Mm -hmm. And I only let myself write half of the journal page. And it's really hard because I have to summarize and I only get this much section to write in. And it's, it's a discipline. For me, who likes to just write, 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 write. Uh, now, for somebody that they're new to journaling, it might be, oh, I have to journal. And they may not know even where to start or what to do. But for me to to write to the Lord, mm-hmm. even if it's only a sentence or two, every morning, it, it goes, I've got, And before I started using these ESP journals, um, I have scads of spiral bound notebooks where I did just journal and journal and journal, especially when I was going through the illness stuff. Um, So, journaling is a huge thing for me. It keeps me close because it reminds me that I am talking to Him and it's something concrete. And I can go back and I can look at things that I have prayed for. And see where things have been answered. And that's always a blessing. That's always really good. I agree. I love that.
0: That revolutionized my relationship with him. It it was it's almost like it made it tangible. And it it, mine is the same way where it's all you, Lord. Mm -hmm. It's this Mm -hmm. conversation with him. And and it doesn't have to take pages and pages. And some of you out there listening go, Yeah, but you guys are writers. Well, she might be, she might sneeze 13,000 words. It (laughs) takes me a year to come up with 13,000 words. She's the prolific author. I'm the reluctant (laughs) author. And yet we would both say there is something powerful Mm -hmm. about capturing our walk with God. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was just thinking this morning, it's so funny you say that, Misu. I was just thinking, you know, if there was a fire, I want to grab my journals Because Mm -hmm. there's just you know how many times do we go to the word and like uh, i believe as james says we walk away forgetting what we've seen we've Mm -hmm. looked in the mirror we've heard from the lord yeah i I remember honestly i i used to get offended when people say would say god told me this or god told me that and i'm like well he doesn't talk to me it's because i wasn't capturing those moments yeah because you forget it together yeah Mm
1: -hmm. yeah if i don't if i don't write it down that morning when I read it it doesn't go co- it doesn't go with me during the day yeah but if I've written it down that morning when he's t- talked to me about something mm-hmm. then I think about it throughout the day and I find I find when I'm talking with someone it, and they'll say something I'm like oh I just read about that this morning and I could And, and then I can apply it and I can talk with people about it and it, it does come up. So he does use it. Um, if we let him, and, and I think that's when, that's when he becomes personal.
0: When you begin
1: to notice that, Oh, this is a person who is becoming a part of my life. He's becoming a a part of me. It's a conversation that we're having now.
0: And the word becomes living inactive. I don't mm-hmm. know if you found that. Otherwise, it's just something I check off my to-do list. But right. especially when I've done the same thing where I read less and reflect yes. more and, and not, don't have to go page to page. In fact, I just want to encourage yeah. those of you who are listening, it might just be bullet points. You know, mm-hmm. It might be, oh, this thought, this thought. It doesn't even have to be cohesive and beautiful. It's just, I heard this, I heard that. And then, yes, Lord, help me.
1: Yeah. And I have to tell you, I, I looked at your website, Joanna, and I the thing that I loved most, I I just was clicking around, and looking. I saw the picture of your Bible and how it was all marked up. And I don't know if it was your Bible or if you just... It is, yep. It looks just like mine. My my kids are gonna fight over my Bibles when I when I die. I'm telling you because they have. I I just I mark them all up and I date. You know when I get something from the Lord that's specific, Mm -hmm. I date it and I'm like, oh yes, Lord, you you're telling me that for this purpose and this is going on in my life right now and I I hear you and I'm gonna do this and and I'm telling you. my girls are always like, mom, let me look at your Bible and, oh. and they'll go to a certain scripture. Oh yeah. Okay. You it. it's really, that. it's so fun when you can share those things and it, it does, it just becomes a part of a legacy, a mm-hmm. part of your testimony. And so I, I just want to encourage folks, yeah, incorporate the word. Amen. That's a part of it. That's living. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It's it's changed everything. Both those two things, making mm-hmm. the Bible my own, you know, and yes. not listening to those grade school teachers say never write in a book. No, this is God's love letter to you. Yes. This is Amen. your life manual. And of course, yes. you want to make it your own. So I just mm-hmm. give you permission.
1: Please. That's right. Please. That's right. <laughs> Even yes. if you have
0: to buy another Bible, I don't know what you have to do, but make it your own. I would uh-huh. just love to have you, first of all, tell tell people where they can find more about you and your books, but then I'd love to have you pray over us as we close.
1: Oh, my pleasure. So you can find me at mesuandrews.com. It's M-E-S-U andrews.com and um, yeah, books are anywhere. Amazon. Barnes and Noble, wherever, yeah, all the places, all those places, yes. So let's pray. I would ask you, oh Father, thank you for this wonderful time. Thank you for Joanna for her ministry that just reaches from her living room to many, many other places. Thank you, Father, for those listeners, Father, that are hearing our words and that have heard what we've said. Let it, let it go into hearts with your interpretation Amen. with just just what each one needs to hear Jesus I pray Father that you will encourage that you will speak in a way that is just unique to each individual I thank you Father for Joanna's reach for her ministry for her heart I pray your blessing upon this book her new book and uh, for the many, many ways that she ministers to so many people, Father, I just thank you for this time and pray your blessing on it in Jesus'
0: name. Amen.
1: Amen. I sure love
0: Misu's heart for Jesus and her love for God's word. You can find links to her book and websites at JoannaWeaverBooks.com forward slash 097 or just scroll down the page on your podcast player and you'll find the links embedded in the text below. I pray you were inspired to try your hand at journaling your journey with Jesus. There's something powerful that happens when we dialogue our time in the Word with God. As we talk to Him about what He's speaking to our hearts, He not only shows us how to apply it, but our love affair with Him only grows and grows. As we said, don't worry about writing pages and pages in your journal. Just respond to what you sense the Lord is speaking to your heart. Because when we do that, James 1.25 tells us, if we'll look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Because He wants to help us live and love and lead like Him. See you next time.